from the trenches. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from Change GPS. We are brought to you by Change GPS Growth Profit Systems for your accounting firm, the Change GPS Next Famous webinar with myself and Timothy Munro on work papers. Last year, everybody went nuts when we showed our work paper pack. It's that time of year again. And this week, we are brought together with my friend, Paul. Paul Lathy? What's your full name? No, it's Paul. Paul Meisner. <laughs> Thank you, David. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. Welcome to a. I mean, we always said big, big week, big, big week when we used to do a weekly show. Oh, I remember those days, uh, mate. There, there is some, there is some big stories. It, often in the worst register, uh, it, it balances worst for well, I think uh, a lot of the time. If if you're a company who's stuffed up this week, this is the week to do it because you can pretty much bet someone else stuffed up stuffed up worse than you. And and I might add I might add a, a concept of that uh, of that uh, because uh, zero zero might hit the best uh, London uh, you know was was I wonder whether the the information some changes timed before ah, so, zero London right so zero you think London. zero came out and told accountants that their beloved old school reports are going away. Then had ZeroCon London released a new product, Zero Go, and then KPMG and Chartered Accountants stole the thunder by being a bunch of cheats who can't regulate. No, I was just saying anyway. the timing from Zero, not from everyone else. Just- of course it was. You can't, mate. They got big PR team. All this stuff's planned. We 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 should talk. Let's 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 get, get to the get, let's get to the get best. the bad news in the media cycle as quickly as possible and draw out the good news as long as you possibly can and get a promotion. Fair enough. PR management spin masters. Fair enough. We haven't actually got the new product in our uh, in our notes, but we uh, we might cover that off. Let's. Uh, oh, it's because it came out last night. Give us a give us a break. Best on grounds. Zero's emotional tax return campaign. I loved it, and I'm not sure many of you saw it. Now Zero's doing. I'm not going to call it a pivot, but they are spending a lot of their marketing budget going direct to the customer, and you can see it. If you watch AFL football, I imagine NRL as well. I don't watch NRL. I live in Queensland. I didn't even know the state of origin was on. But zero is everywhere. Female World Cup soccer. Female World Cup soccer. Yep. Mass market, big stuff that's going direct to the end user, direct to the consumer. It's not such a bad thing. I think accountants will say, I think the the other side of that is, as long as they don't tell bloody small businesses that they can do it all themselves, that would be the voice of the accountant as Zero tries to do this campaign. Because they can't, they stuff it up. And then they end up in Zero, what's in, you know, what's uh, Facebook groups of people talking about the worst mistakes their clients have made. But this campaign was a campaign that Zero ran that went directly to the small business owner. Uh, I've got a link in the show notes to one of the clips they had on one of the morning TV shows. Uh, this is the second, second or third time they ran it during COVID. Oh, really? Yeah. This is certainly not the first time. The emotional tax returns not new. No, not new at all. Well, that's because it's good. Why get rid of? I was going to take. I was going. I only just thought about that when you. Were yeah, talking. thanks. Uh, we actually is, planned this, this episode. A, you failed to mention that one. This is the second, at least the second time it's been done, perhaps the third, I'm not It was really good. They had this room and they got business owners to come in. They had like a smashing plates room and a massage room, all ways to deal with the fact that tax is frustrating 
Let's not pretend that it's not frustrating, except that it is, but it's a responsibility as a business owner. And I thought it was a bit of fun and a fun way to think about tax. Well done, Zero, on this cool little yep. campaign. Vladka and her team doing a great job. Uh, well done. Let's, while we're on the story, Zero, Zero came out with a new product. Uh, David, the cynics in the industry said, uh, so what? Might have been me. No, no, no. It might have been me. Said, why, wh- how do you hold a zero com without any announcements? They've manufactured an announcement. Well, I don't um, think manufactured it. We did say, though, you know, zero's got the third most amount of developers by any tech company in Australia, according to the AFR. And we asked that. the question, what are they working on? It must have been mostly the new replatforming, but they've got a new product direct to consumer. It's like it's the same, but repackaged. It's a freemium product. Oh, yeah, look, we- you are- <laughs> I'm going to release the video of the look that you just had on your face. No, only because it's not a bad look like most of the looks I have. But no, I, I think there's something really interesting I find about this product. And I, I'm actually I'm, I'm speaking with uh, Joe Lyons tomorrow, so I'm sure it, this might come up. No uh, one name drops it- accounting executives like you. I try. I try. Um, one of the things that really interests me is... So, David, this is an, this is, we've been used to zero for 14 years of being browser based file and then everything else plugs into it. The app was just an interface into your file. I'm not sure what's happening in the back end, but this seems to be the only access they get to their file. So, zero have currently you can get a file. And instead of, so this is a real departure for zero. Instead of giving them, a better app, but keeping, but then just giving somebody a detuned organization or file to access through that app. This looks like it's just purely you can't go around it via the browser unless you're in a partner plan, unless you're an accountant or bookkeeper. But for the client, this is only on their phone, which I think is a really interesting departure from having the uh, the desktop. I don't know why anyone scans receipts. If you're a micro business, you just swipe your credit card and code it in the bank fee. But, but I suppose once they bought HubDoc, they may as well do something with the technology rather than just let it wither. Can you explain your, I don't know why anyone bothers with receipts? The tax nerds out there are frothing at the mouth. The idea. Uh, taking taking photos of them. Well, you well, you actually don't need a copy of the receipt if it's uh, under the eighty two dollars fifty, and you uh, often have a lot of the receipts in email and and in your history. I, so, not having the receipt, I should qualify. Not attaching it to every single transaction uh, and wasting a whole lot of time. But I suppose with all this technology, mate, bookkeepers have got to do something. Booyah! <laughs> Well, this this episode features a very special post. Bookkeepers and accountants united in their. We'll get to that. In the one I did. That was that was just amazing. Anyway, this this would be really interesting to see, not only how quickly uh, the features come out in the US, but what the plan is for Australia. Uh, UK, I think starting in UK, UK only. I think was the. That's what I said. But then the interesting the bit will be. Oh, sorry, I meant UK. Um, and then the interesting thing will be uh, where it rolls out to and how quickly. I think they should just roll it out to southeast Queensland because I reckon eighty percent of jobs here are just tradies. You just, like all, like, there's just utes everywhere. It's not a stereotype. I think it's real. And then every third shop's a tattoo parlor, or a tattoo remover, or a Botox injectable place. There you go. All right, we'll see. All right.
What else? What else? Uh, I can't believe you're putting accountants daily in our best. Hey, you play the ball as it lies, and I, I think it's lying well. In our contract. The uh, congratulations, Phil King, the new editor at Accountants Daily. I, I'm liking what he's putting down. I like reading the way he writes. What he does you really enjoy well, just copy and pasting from. Twitter. I don't. Well, but that's what don't that you can. You're such a like. Now I know why people I'm going fishing. People go fishing. People say I love listening to trenches. Paul's an a hole, but geez, he's right a lot. <laughs> the right. you could swear on the show. The I like what he's doing. So I've noticed a change in the coverage in accountants daily. There's two big changes. The first is he's capturing the voice of accountants. Five years when we started trenches, accountants didn't have a voice. You just you were, we weren't in forums. We weren't speaking up. We were just sort of like keeping how we felt to our little 10-person tax training group on High Street, Malvern, wherever the, wherever our office was. But now with all of these WhatsApp groups and Twitter and Facebook groups, there is a lot of chat going on, and I think accountants have become more confident in having a voice. I'd like to think Trench has played a small part in that. And Phil's Kashmir, you read a hot topic article on Accountants Daily, there's no shortage of quotes from real-life accountants expressing how they feel. And I think he's doing a far better job than, than anyone else at Accounts Daily. Katarina was good at some investigative stuff herself, but no one's actually quoted accountants as much as I think Phil has. Well done, mate. It makes for interesting reading. I will entirely give you that. It is not, look, and it's nice to see fresh, uh, fresh voices too, rather than Accountants Daily's history of just promoting people they liked or- I'll tell you, I'll tell you the other thing. Got, so or got paid to appear on it. It's, Although they still do a lot of that, there's a lot of faces that pop up far too much without a without a little hashtag ad, in my opinion. Well, no, it's pretty obvious what's an ad on on Accountants Daily. It's like there's a whole massive every box around it. Yeah, I can go on it now. I think I've got a. I've paid, is there a GPS ad in here? There's QuickBooks Connect. Where's all the other pay? Accountants Daily Discover? There you go. There's a change GPS ad I paid for. Why accountants should be at the centre mm. of your estate planning process. Pretty obvious it's paid. But what he's done as well, there is genuine tech news he's starting to come in here as well. I'm looking at it right now. Coinly partners with Cointree on crypto. Oh, that is a mouthful. But uh, some tech, some important tech news making it into accountants daily. Uh, anyway, no, I do I do like that he's uh, quoting different people from around the stuff. Uh, well done. What else do we have? I feel like we had, oh, what else do we have? Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm just going to keep going, by the way. Um, interesting. I've had three. I've, I'm, I'm hearing about three new um, toolkits, calculators, call them what you want, around uh, small to medium business calculating their carbon footprint and improving it. It's an area I don't know a whole lot of, about. Um, it's something you just, that you're you're such a fraud. You're such a fraud. You just look the part on your stupid scooter hovering around inner city Melbourne West. Look at me. I'm on a scooter with your full head of hair waving in the background. You don't know. And then you come on a show and say, I don't know a single thing about carbon footprints. Doesn't say that I'm not. You are a poser. I walked this morning. I walked to the station instead of taking my car this morning. I will be walking later on. Anyway, uh, I try my best, but I, I... I've never understood the calculation behind it. So anyway, so watch this space. There's a bit. Happening. So what are you doing? Why? Yeah. Why? Why are they consulting with you? If what are you doing for them? 
uh, beta testing one was just interested in in sort of chatting about it at a high level of another and yeah just introducing people to people for the third one you're getting, so, a, you're getting a slice of the action no from you should, uh, you should. Oh, I think one of them is. It, I think the beta testing one's a gift card. I should declare that. A, unlike a gift card, a gift card. I hope the listeners are thinking, "Oh, yeah, he's going to get about five percent of the issued stuff." That no. sounds reasonable. No, you just want fifty dollars at JB Hi-Fi, and Paul's a happy man. I, hey, whatever I get, golf gear on Amazon. That's all I want. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and sorry, go. In, in, involving accountants in beta tests is becoming much more of a trend. We had Jack Veal from the Early Adopters Hub host our speed dating sessions, both emerging in the main one at the Trenches Summit uh, last month. Um, and he says, I know the firms who go through it say it's really good. It's a great opportunity to engage with accountants before their product gets into the market because we know that accountants will want to do it, try it for themselves before they issue it to clients. And for startups or tech companies, that can take a really long time. And it's really expensive to go through that process of getting the accounts to learn it before you get anyone actually paying. So they can speed that up. Yeah, I think well very, users, users should be very connected into product rather than product people. Anyway, that's just my... Well, you and I should cover that. We'll cover that on another show, I'm sure. Um, do we have... A, do we have, a, do we have is that in this one, the role of the head of accounting? Did no, we, we haven't put it in this one. We'll save it for another one. Okay. Because I think we should do it as, as, a, bigger, as a bigger bit. Anyway, uh, fans of the show will know I do love a good uh, pizza robot or a good uh, food, the, the intersection of technology and food. It's a very niche Venn diagram. Um, Domino's. Domino's. Who, and I tell you what, they have done the most uh, tech of the of the fast chains, they seem to be the ones at the forefront of tech. A very new, interesting thing, and 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 again, it'll be great to see how this plays out. But they're using pizza maths. Uh, I'm quoting the financial review uh, that helps the company track a customer's likelihood of purchasing a pizza online with 98 percent accuracy. What they're effectively doing is. As you start selecting it on their Apple website, it knows where you are. It knows, and it it basically what they're saying is it basically starts cooking before you've got to the checkout. It affect it knows what you want. You're just sort of ah, oh, do I want a drink? Do I want to, you know, get some something else? And uh, while you're doing that, while you're fumbling with your credit card, it's already uh, it's already cooking. A Japanese Domino's store has seen sales grow ten percent. Another Japanese store achieved an average delivery time of two minutes and thirty eight seconds across an entire week. That's ridiculous. The um. There's a sad part to this story. Yeah, your obsession with food robots. I don't get I don't understand it, but it's been a sub feature of the show for many years. There's a sad feature to this. The reason that all of this pizza technology comes out of Japan, they are such a low I don't know, I've actually researched this. They are such a low immigrant immigration country. They have such insane labor shortages that they have to build robots to start doing some of the lifting. That uh, we just got a, a, a gulp of your soda stream just came through the audio. They're building robots to, to take care of the labor that needs to happen. 
The sad part about it is in Australia, all we do is complain that we don't have cheap labour. Where's the innovation on our robots, Paul? Where are our where are our pizza robots? We need a lot more. Right. Worst on ground. 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 Mate, we cannot go. Uh, we cannot cover anything on worst on ground before we cover what does seem to be the most soporific response to an exam cheating. If if somebody cheated on an exam, David, let's say they were a professional. And let's say that 400 of them that were involved in this, over 400 of them that were involved in this cheating were a member of a professional body that arguably just just does bang on an awful lot about ethics. 430, you'd expect, you know, a couple might have a a few problems from an ethical point of view. Uh, They found eight. KPMG itself delivered harsher penalties to a staff than a professional body. The um, it is just and David when the when when C and CA took uh, eighteen months I think to uh, to go through this process and report about it, um, and they put more effort into silencing the fallout from and the criticism by members than it did than they did into the uh, investigation. It is it's sickening and it's unfortunately. Just another. I, I I lose track of the ways to be disappointed in CAANZ. It, it's no, it's actually no longer possible to be any more disappointed. How do you know that CAANZ puts a lot of effort into silencing dissenting members? Because I know. <laughs> because you feel the wrath physically <laughs> and existentially. It's. Uh, I mean, we have reached out to chartered accountants to come on the show and comment about this. I'm waiting for a response from them. Hopefully, they do decide to come on. There's, there's a couple of major issues here. First of all, there is a general feeling amongst the accounting community. You read it in the chat groups. The punishments were not harsh enough. The second one is that they got told about this by their oversight board, by the international doyens of ethics, and it took them 18 months to act. You know, the, the, my, my biggest disappointment about this is their response to the 18 months. Their first response is they uh, rolled out uh, – I don't even know who said this. They rolled someone out. This is an article, accounts from uh, an Accounts Daily article. CAANZ defends the handling of the KPMG case. Well, when Roxanne Marcel Shaw, the chief executive of the Professional Standards Authority, describes the 18-month delay as shocking – you don't have a defensible position. You have to bend the knee, say, oh, yeah, it is. That's not good enough. We need to change. You don't go on the defense. I think that's evidence that they are more interested in protecting themselves and their brand than copying any fair and well-earned criticism. Like, it's okay to be criticized. They seem to think through their response there that they're above, I don't know, fair debate. My other real worry about their response, and I read uh, – the comments from Ainsley, the CEO of Chartered Accountants, uh, who just blamed the internal processes and blamed the bylaws. And I'm noticing this trend amongst corporates. Um, I don't know why CA is acting like a corporate. It's a small member-led organization. You look at their balance sheet, it's comparatively small compared to everything else, where an executive in charge of something will blame a process or a policy or a bylaw. 
and completely ignore the fact that it's their job to make sure that the culture and the policies of the bylaws meet the expectations of their customers, or in this case, their members. They don't. The bylaws do not meet the expectations of chartered accountant members. We know it because we're members and we're not happy with it. So that's my personal opinion. But the, the chat on this has just gone off. I've got a big question, Paul. Go. The chat around this is centered on chartered accountants pick on the small guys and the big guys seem to get left alone because they contribute so much money to, to CA coffers. Is that fair? There is anecdotal stories that people share and in many of the articles they've shared their stories about how they felt they were unfairly treated by CA. Or is it just when anything happens to a small firm, it's a bigger deal because they're small and they don't have the resources to deal with it? I, I think you're right. I think it's it's the way the, the impact of the impact of it on a small firm is is clearly more. I don't think the um, disciplinary process. I don't think CA is set up to discipline an organisation. Like I think it has to uh, have individual members. I, I just I just can't I just can't believe I just can't believe. Sorry, that's an important point. You made a comment that you, you believe that the bylaws are set up to punish individual members, not large organisations. Well, because the members are the ones that are that are held accountable, not employers. Like it's not KPMG as an entity is not a member, so they can't be disciplined. I think that's probably where some of the problem happened, where if you go... Whereas the regulatory body, you know, they find KPMG and, you know, I, I think if there was a process to go after the uh, organisation rather than trying to pick individual members, I, I don't know. I, I still think that it's... Oh, if that's the case, then it is a, an, in, an indicator, not a fact, that the bylaws aren't fit for purpose given how big the big four are and how, how much money they contribute to the coffers of the accounting bodies, in particular chartered accountants. Well, and and I, I just say if if a big four if if cheating on an exam doesn't warrant uh penalties under upholding ethics, then what is CA's role, if any? The fascinating question, because many people will say, well, they fundamentally ignore the ego trip that we get from calling ourselves CA. I love it. I love calling myself David Boyer FCA. Pause that. But, you know, I'm looking at you right now. You've got two number one in numbers from that old marketing campaign. You've got your FCA. You've got your original CA certificate. I, I can just you, – you've just got this in your office. Like, I've, you can yep. see behind me, that's my FCA certificate. Pause that for a moment because we earned that. They can't – we can stop paying them, but they can't take away the fact that we earned that. The conversation usually then goes, and this has happened in Facebook groups, well, are, are they give me insurance protection. Part being part of professional standards bodies gives me insurance protection. Timothy Munro asked a question in the Change GPS Facebook group. How many of you have actually had to rely on this? How many accountants actually get sued? Is this, also, we, is this a placebo? Do we even need this? Could we not get it by ourselves without it? Well, we, do, we don't need it because um, if as long as you trade in a company, your liability is limited. Well below the well below the threshold you're given. It's it's, it's absolutely, David. It, it, this is this is only for the big end of town. That insurance is only really used as a shield by the big end of town. 
it's it's ridiculous. Like it it is. It's totally being sold something that you will never actually never actually use. Can I tell you something? Like advisory software and audit insurance. <laughs> Two things that you get sold because apparently the world will end without them. Can I, but can I the amount of on? times they prove useful, nada. Can I tell you what's on Tim Munro's email signature? You know, every accountant's got like 13 pages of disclaimers. If this email was not intended for you, please delete it. Right, right. The first thing I do is read it if I get an email not intended for me. I love yeah. it. I'm opening attachments, try to work out what's going on. Bit of Schadenfreuden. Tim's email says, we don't disclaim anything about this email. We're quite, quite proud of it, really. And I've popped that on my email as well. I, we're professional advisors. I stand by what I say. Fair enough. Um, All right, let's keep keep moving. It's sh- no, no, I just oh, one sorry. final thing. Um, CA, the, the accounting body, there needs to be a very serious question what is the purpose of three accounting bodies? Um, all three of them have been sent, please explain letters by the professional standards or what's it called? The PSGO. The regulator? Uh, professional standards authority. They've all been sent, please. There, these bodies spend money on lobbying, on training, on legal, on enforcement, on on all of these theoretic services. Um, if we're struggling to see the benefit in one, you certainly got to wonder why we've got three. I, I don't know why we even have from public practice, Dave. Public practice. The, the limited the to public practice. The accountant industry is, you know, we got, got accountants in practice. You got this. You got that. And and. Teachers, I don't think I don't think any of the accounting bodies have any value after, um, uh, outside of being effectively uh, a university, getting you the baseline qualification like a university would. Like I just see them as a post grad uni. Their advocacy is ineffective. It's ineffective. Like it's they make so much noise. I'm on all of these um, bodies. The, the governments have proven time and time again that they will do whatever they want to do. Financial services licensing was a joke. That they constantly just posture and politicise. Oh, one of the uh, heads of tax. I, actually, I think I just found out one of the heads of tax uh, go went to uni with the current tax commissioner, apparently, uh, which can't help the effectiveness when uh, when we when it goes head to head. But um. Well, you don't know that. That's not necessarily but I, but jobs for the anyway. boys. Like, there's only eight top saying. universities in Australia. Like, it's not unreasonable and, they went to uni. And this certain head of no, no, no. I was just saying that it, I wasn't saying anyone got anyone the job. But um, no, just a, in a in a sort of a friendship thing. Um, when it comes but, to the lobbying of the bodies, I'll tell you what. One might think that they're lobbying on the government's so, behalf. So, so let's go through you. it, right? You're so the let's one go being lobbied, it. not the other way around. So let's go through it. The selling points of CA, I mean, I can't talk about the others, but they're all about the same, right? The training, well, you can get it dime a dozen, right? NTAA probably has the best training. Tax Institute's got better training, you know. So, and CA are trying to, you know, like anyone, just trying to take money. But there's a, a million providers, right? There's a, an, an, up, an upstarting competitor, Tax Nuggets, Joyce Ong, trying to offer a new slant on go. it. There's a bit of innovation in the space as well. So CA, so CA have no like kind of they're, they're not above the the market in that. Um, well, no, they kind of upholding are ethics. They, well, you, 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 they can't uphold. Let me keep, keep going. They, uh-huh. uh, the ethics of the profession. They can't uphold the ethics of the profession. 
Um, limited licensing, sorry, not licensing, uh, insurance or limited liability scheme is irrelevant for most most firms outside of the top. So, so what, what are they doing here? And advocacy, although I'm sure is not without effort, actually has absolutely no runs on the board um, or seemingly no runs on the board for all of the money and effort. You may as well not bother. So what 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 are they there for? Yeah, on their training one, um, I believe that the IPA are mandating certain amounts of training need to be issued or sanctioned by the IPA. That's like the mafia saying you need to pay protection from us. That should, that should be an ethics violation. That 100%. So. Well, on top of Andrew Conway, the CEO of the IPA, being on the board of the Tax Practitioners Board. Let's not get started. It's, this stuff's baffling. Like, I want my kids, by the time my kid's 15, I want them to know that this is bad ethics. I reckon 15 is a level where kids should know this, let alone train professionals. I reckon CA should add a case study about KPMG to its ethics exam. That's what I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, but, but again, David, the worst part is none of it surprises me, that CA I, spend more time trying to cover shit up than, than I fix do, it I, in the first place. I don't want to add one thing in. My empathy goes out to there are victims in this, and I think the victims are the candidates who are studying who cheated. If you are a 22-year-old put in KPMG, and part of the reason you chose the big firms was because of the support they give you to get through CA, and they give you all of this stuff, I do not expect you to turn around to this massive KPMG culture and say, no, I'm not reading that. That's cheating. I think it's unfair. And, and the, name, the name and shame, I don't think those students should have been named and shamed. Managers, partners, seniors, qualified CAs who are involved in this, throw the book at them. But I do have a lot of empathy for the students, Paul. I don't... I was asked by Edmund Tadros. I uh, oh, part of the commenting on the just dropped another name. Bang! No, no. Up. Edmund Tadros dropped a name. Hey, everyone, go check out Ed's AFR article. And if you scroll down far enough, there's a photo of Roxanne Marcel Shaw. So yeah, the professional standards. There's some photos of emails. The CA response is embarrassing. And then if you scroll down far enough, you see this glorious photo of Paul with a mohawk from 2004. And Ed has picked up. His title from his LinkedIn page, which was a dare that I told him to do, Paul Meisner, the Chief Compliance Officer at Five Ways Group. <laughs> he got two staff. <laughs> mate, no, I love it. I love. I, mate, I, I, it was a dare. It was a dare. It was a. You, well, it wasn't a dare. I, I actually said I, I wear it as a badge of honour. I, I tell you, I'm just glad I was running. Uh, I was running with ATO Whisperer for a while. I'm kind of glad that didn't get you. <laughs> that didn't get used. I think that's in my bio somewhere. But uh, but no, it's just uh, so sorry. Edmund did ask me. Uh, did I think that it should be named and shamed? And did I think a lot more details should be made public? And, and no. Like I, I just want. I just wanted the. I I just wanted between my professional body to uphold the ethics with the people who had the ethics violation. I don't want to know their name. I don't ultimately want to know the punishment. I don't want to, I just want to know that they could uphold the ethics and not basically just all like, effectively condone this behavior by doing nothing. Uh, next worst on grounds, a coach in the United Kingdom has managed to upset accountants and bookkeepers equally. Oh. Glorified marketer. 
Reza Hood, the link is in uh, in the chat. Reza Hood, F-C-A-C-T-A. What's a CTA? Call to action. It's a marketing phrase. No. <laughs> no, I hope that's not. If I text advisor, that's like insert sure. CTA here. Uh, as accountants, if you're just doing once a year accounts, you'll suffer the same fate as the dinosaurs. In this post, he has managed to upset Paul Meisner and Lilette Collegia, who have both written essays in their response talking about how much offence they've taken to it. Reza goes on to bag bookkeeping, call accounts dinosaurs because they're not doing bookkeeping. He's upset everyone. Worst on ground. Why do people think that they can only sell to our profession by putting us down, Paul? If you have to, uh, if you have to call someone names and tell them they're doing a bad job just to sell them stuff, then I don't think you got a very high value proposition. And look, oh mate, he had all, he had all of the phones just going up. He had all of the. Uh, he's not right wing. If it was, what's the what's the uh, the Accounting industry of uh, the accounting, the accounting industry version of conspiracy theories. Um, Technology is going to replace accountants. You know, technology is oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. All he's of, been you know, radicalized. Kind of like, he's been oh, radicalized. He he's he's rolling out the tropes. But honestly, got nothing else to uh, got nothing else to do. So he's using all of those old tropes. And from an accountant, I think it deserves better. But yes, it's un, uh, unusual to upset. Bookkeepers and accountants in equal measure. Actually, uh, appreciate so I appreciate that you've done to unite these two parties, Reza. It's a great yeah. contribution. Exactly. What else we got? Um, mass media fear-mongering on interest rate heights. Dead set. Have you ever seen the amount of nonsense in the media around interest rate? First of all, every real estate agent suddenly a three-year bond trading market expert and then understands implicitly all this fake stuff we're getting from real estate agents trying to increase fake demand to go to properties. Michael Hutchins, who um, runs Medano, it's a, a tool, uh, an Excel modeling tool I use that I don't really like it. I prefer Excel Cloud anyway. Um, that's a fantastic post. Australia's mass media reporting on the decision uh, is as reckless and dangerous as the scam monitoring they use to get clicks during the pandemic. Smart journos talking about how accounts are, how people aren't going to be able to afford their homes, not going to be afford to put food on the table. Uh, unbelievable fear mongering in the way the media is talking about interest rates. Uh, plenty of experts and economic data coming out saying most of Australia has enough, enough cash to absorb these interest rate hikes, even if they have to change their spending a little bit. I agree, Michael. Very sloppy, very, very sloppy reporting from the media on this. Not that, you know, but I can't, but I also kind of get it. The economists are barely ever right. So it's not like you're going to turn to them for expert opinions. <laughs> yes. Next. I just agree. What do you got? Atlassian. Mate, we sit there and take instructions from these guys about work from home and v- the first ever virtual signaling operator. Might have climate change. Climate yeah, change. Yeah, mate. Climate now. change. These guys are billionaires, so we're going to worship the altar of Mike Cannon Brooks. The bloke can't make a profit, Paul. He lost six hundred million dollars last year. I'm taking. I'm. I'm, I'm worshiping his blog posts on how to run a business. Six hundred million dollars. Spare me. Spare me that's, because the share market over, overvalues your company. We need to get a trillion headlines about whatever brain fart you had today. Leave me alone. 
it's pretty yeah, yeah. There's a lot of companies out there who seem uh, the 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 value is very very paper thin. Uh, if you lose six hundred million dollars because you've like just started and you're out of this out of the gates, uh, that might happen. But these have been around for twenty years. Take a buck for you know net profit buck. And because you know what, if you're losing that much money, what don't you do, Paul? You don't pay tax. Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. Right. What else we got? Michael King. Found this post. Lillette commented on it, actually. That's how I found it. She, he mentions Lillette and Lance. Um, talking about the problems with vert, there is an epidemic that's polluting our industry. It's accounting and bookkeeping work being disguised as CFO work. Now, you always called me a, a, a glorified bookkeeper when I was doing my virtual CFO work. The virtual, the real virtual CFOs have had 20, 30 years out in commerce running big business and, and can bat at that CFO level. But he is 100% right. There is glorified bookkeeping being punched into PDF stock standard reports at month end, being sent out and touted as CFO work. And why this article is so interesting is he accepts that it's just marketing. He accepts that marketing matters. But when you don't meet the value prop in your marketing, clients get angry and disappointed. And yes, that happens enough. It breaches the public trust in the accounting brand. Great article, really well laid out. The Virtual CFO Association is, is part of the solution for this. It's You need to do a bit of a, a quality check, at least get your CV checked before you get into there. It's a bit of a stamp of peer review that you know what you're doing. But the, the bookkeeper saying they're CFOs, oof, it's a it's a dodgy path if you wasn't don't deliver. One of the wasn't one of the main contributors to that post a bookkeeper trying to say that they were a CFO. Well, if you deliver the work and your clients are happy, then it's fine. The issue isn't the bookkeeper doing it. The issue is the bookkeeper not meeting the expectation that their marketing is delivering on, which is the same as everything. You have to do what you say you're going to do in life. Well done, great article. And because uh, of all of this stuff, Paul, the worst on ground that we thought was going to be the feature of the whole show got buried right to the end. It has. We've actually got two more. Uh, what, what, the, what the the reports yeah. ending? Yeah, zero of sunsetting reports uh, version one. Very very sad day. Very. I, I did. I did have to have a moment of silence and solitude. Uh, luckily, we not until July. Uh, 2023. So I will be uh, squarely not uh, worried about it until this time next year where I will go, it gets turned off in three days, I'm really going to panic. Um, my uh, <laughs> this, this, all, this, this reeks of next year's problem. Like this, 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 we have, oh, mate, every account has kicked this down the road. Can I, can I applaud Zero for having listened and uh, not the the original one of the original concepts was going to be that the reports would end halfway through our tax year um, or part way through our tax year. So we've managed to get that uh, the other side of thirty June, which safely puts that into next year. Paul's problem. That's uh, so good because now instead of having a holiday next year, you can spend the first two weeks of July redesigning your zero reports. Yeah, I um, look. Th- there's still some real shortfalls. I don't know my effort. Uh, for the next year is going to be to try to get some templates and so, so, to manage the, the the handover of V1 to V2, but luckily don't have to worry about that until next year. The other big story, David, which, I mean, he's right at the end, but um, ANZ, ANZ Bank came out and said we might make an offer for MyOB, uh, taking it, what is it, listed, unlisted, KKR, anyway. 
Um, ANZ was thinking of buying. Oh, that's right. They took it off. They were thinking of buying Mile. Then that was sort of the the chatter. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came the ANZ Suncorp mega deal, which which surely has so many ACCC and other questions, anti-competition questions raised about it. So we're almost back uh, after that announcement. We're almost back to saying Myob could could be back on the table as a a takeover target for uh, ANZ. But look, that's uh, that will certainly be a watch this space. They will either end up with a uh, a whole other bank under their umbrella, or they will end up with a an accounting software company, which I don't know whether it makes sense, but it will be interesting. Two reasons why a bank would want to buy Myob for me. Number one, Myob spits out a huge amount of cash every year. Cash every year. Like in our little zero bubble, we view it and we think it's a dying business and it's going to get eaten up. But it is still, when compared to most businesses, it still makes a huge amount of cash. So that's just not good on them. Well done. And it probably makes more since KKR bought it because that's what KKR do. They they buy things and strip out costs and make all that work. And they've made a few strategic acquisitions in there as well. Second reason is data. Imagine ANZ all had all of that live data around their customers. Just which would, which should scare some people as well. Would should yeah, it? it should. But you know, also when open banking comes in, it's not going to shame me. I don't know where I'm. T- ignore that. That was a dumb argument. I don't know where that was going to go. When AI, open banking, machine learning, Elon Musk comes in, it won't I mean, make- doesn't ANZ already have its own data? Like, isn't that? Yeah, it would. It would have a lot, but it, but it's uncategorized. Once it goes in the accounts, it's categorized. It helps. Oh, apparently, the, the, apparently that's easy, though. Apparently, apparently, that's apparently. easy. All right, right that's our show. Hey, ZeroCon, you going? Ah, uh, yes. Trying I'm, to find someone to pay for it. Do you want to pay for it? I think trenches can shout you a flight. That sounds oh, fair and reasonable. That does ass. kind of make sense, doesn't it? Sweet as. Can we do that a was easy. Can we do ask a- in public? Ask in public. That's my. <laughs> Could you just send me a WhatsApp message? Yeah. No. Nah, just uh, do it on the show. No, nah, you better. come up. We'll go to Sydney. I've got a room at the uh, – everyone, book your rooms because Sydney sells out yeah, very quickly. No. i got my room at the Sofitel. Tim was right on it. Oh. We booked straight away. Oh, well. uh, I was looking at that. You know, remember that Airbnb we booked across the hub? That was quite Oh, cool. yeah, that was good fun. We were there yeah. for World Congress of Accountants. I'm pumped for ZeroCon. Change GPS has a massive stand. Change GPS has a day before ZeroCon. Painting a better future for accountants. We're talking about some hard-hitting issues, Paul. How to tell staff they're not getting the pay rise they are expecting. How to tell staff mm-hmm. they need to work in the office. Part-time, full-time, whatever you want to do. We're going to talk about how to have these conversations. It is, I think, accountants are suffering with too much weight of how to make these difficult decisions and feeling like... It's almost like the staff are unionizing a little bit. Like the media are just so voice of the employees because they're the ones who give them the clicks. Yeah. Like some interesting stats. It's hard from the fact there's a lot of scientific data about what happens when you work from home now, which we didn't have two years ago. I had a great report that said if you work from home, you save like between five and 12 grand a year. Hmm. I think yeah, someone was saying that. Yep. Yep. Like that doesn't – like we don't talk about that enough. <laughs> like anyway. We'll cover all that the day before ZeroCon. That's going to be an awesome event. Listeners, thanks for joining us on From the Trenches. Oh, another cool From the Trenches thing. Stay tuned. We have got a new show that's coming out, Reality Check with Shay and Beck. 
Shay Thayer, Head of Accounting at Intuit, and Rebecca Mahalik, the Director of Business Depot, not short of an opinion, just like our good selves, Paul. That'll be a new show. Thanks for Trent McLaren for helping to produce it. That'll be out in the next couple of weeks. Listen to the first one, thought it was interesting. And you know what I felt listening to it? Beck told me she felt... Beck said, I love listening to Trenches. Sometimes I hate you so much and disagree with everything you say, but I thank you for making me think about it. Oh, hmm. it's nice. Inspiring public debate, Paul. It's a public service. It's nice. You want to do your farewell? Uh, I'm happy. Uh, enjoy, everyone. Uh, reach out. Um, have fun. Be good. Welcome to another tax year. Another Thanks. tax year. Get your, get your tax on. Get your tax on. Get, get your, your tax, tax on, Shane. See you, mate. Cheers, pal. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at PaulMeissner underscore or on LinkedIn, PaulMeissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.